well, why are you coming to my site? Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? Because I personally, I, I couldn't explain to anyone like, why do you have 6 million people come to your site a month? I know what they're doing on my site, but why are they doing it? it was- <laughs> Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin Mentor and founder of Startup U, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Welcome to episode 118 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, I welcome Chris Parker. Chris Parker has a problem that most of us would love to have, what to do with 6 million web visitors a month. He's the founder of whatismyipaddress.com. He's an entrepreneur, an online privacy and safety expert, and he's got a fantastic story to tell. Before we do, I'd just like to tell you that today I wrapped up my first podcasting masterclass here at RHQ on the south coast of England in the UK. If you'd like to know about the next ones, and in my opinion, you are your own media now. If you have your own business, you need to have your own podcast. I'd love to help you do that. Then simply drop me an email, alex at screwitjustdoit.org, and I'll let you know when we've got the next physical workshops and also when we've got the next online version of that as well. So just email me. So on to today's show with Chris. Uh, Chris has got one hell of a story to tell, got a very interesting business. As I say, something that most of us would love to have. How do you monetize 6 million visitors a month to your website? Clearly, Chris is doing a pretty good job of that. He's generating just under seven figures a month over the last couple of years consecutively for his business. Um, He definitely seemed to be living the life that Tim Ferriss alludes to in the four-hour working week. He gets to choose how much time he spends on his business. He doesn't employ any staff now. All he employs are freelancers and loves the fact that he's able to help other people live their entrepreneurial dream dream by getting them uh, to work with him on his business as well. So really interesting proposition, really interesting story to tell. Most of us dream of having that kind of a lifestyle, choosing how much time we spend on our business. And that directly relates to how much we get paid for our business as well. So on today's podcast, um, we talk about the beauty of staying small. Um, We talk about the importance of mentoring. And we talk about if you're in any doubts in your business, then just ask, ask for help, ask your audience. Some really interesting topics that we talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Without further ado, let's start up. You launched the website nearly 20 years ago now, initially as a, yep. as a hobby, but when you, you faced redundancy um, in, your, in your full-time job, you decided to devote yourself to this full-time. Was that 
one of those decisions that was was instantaneous or was it something that you you spend a long time pondering what your next move was going to be um there's a nice story in there we it was not a uh it was not a quick transition my employer actually it was not a redundancy issue but rather a uh hit from the uh, economic crisis Mm. they couldn't afford to keep me around full time so i kind of went half time with them half time in my job and at the point where or at my business at the point where they said hey we just can't keep you on at all then i had to make the decision okay do i <laughs> get a new 40 hour a week job or do i or do i do the take the side hustle and make it full time and and so what was the the original idea behind starting up the web, the website and then keeping it going as a side hustle because that must have obviously still to be able to do that for what well over a decade as as a side hustle must have still kept you very interested yeah i mean i mean it was it was a hobby. I was having fun and it was, an, I mean, for the first couple of years, it was just, I put the website up and it just sat there and it did nothing. Right. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. I, then once I saw it started getting the traffic, I was like, Oh, I can, I can do something with this. I can have some fun. Mm. It was never, it was never intended to be a business. <laughs> and, and do you think, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but when, when you kind of look back now, do you think you would still be in the same job if, if that kind of economic crisis hadn't happened Totally. I, I'm sure yeah. I would still be there. Both my wife and I are risk averse. And so right. taking a leap would be much less likely of a thing to happen without a, a little bit of a shove. Oh, this is exactly what I was going to say. Was it Was it one of those things that you, you just needed that shove to do it? Or was that kind of had an entrepreneurial itch that needed to be scratched for like decades earlier? That just wasn't the case. No, no. I, I think there's always that entrepreneurial itch, but I think the, the side hustle was fulfilling that. Um, I think both of the the biggest job transitions in my life that were both very beneficial were both getting a, a swift kick in the butt. <laughs> and when you first started seeing some traffic come to the site, were you, given your kind of knowledge and skill set back then, were you able to identify where that was coming from and and then look at the possibilities of what you could potentially do with it? Yeah, that's it's it's always been a, a bit of a. I have the opposite problem that a lot of people have with their websites. A lot of people are like, "I've got a great product, I've got a great service, it's really monetizable. I just need traffic." Mm. Um, I kind of have the opposite problem. <laughs> I've got a website that gets tons of traffic. It's not very monetizable. How do I monetize it? Yeah, yeah. And what were some of the first ideas that that you had on how you could monetize it, Chris? I, so the the two kind of hand in hand at the same time was a uh, a remote access to your computer product called Go to My PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they had an affiliate program, and every time someone subscribed, they made a couple of bucks. And a lot of people were trying to f- figure out, you know, we're trying to connect to their home computer, and they're trying to find out the IP address. How do I connect to my machine? So it was kind of a natural uh, product. And then the wonders of Google AdSense. Hmm. And uh, talk me through kind of rough time scales um, for you. Was it was it 2014 that um, you kind of faced that decision of what what you were going to do? And up until then, for 14 years, that that had remained a side hustle, and you were, um, I guess, for want of a better word, play, playing around with the traffic, playing around with ideas in your head and what you could do with it. Yeah, I think the the, the first uh, the first five years, it was definitely a 
a hobby. I didn't even, I didn't look at, I really didn't even look at the traffic. It wasn't until about five years in when the hard drive got full that I realized <laughs> there's a lot of traffic here. Let me try to, let me actively try to do stuff. But yeah. it just went that natural sort of transition from, well, I got people coming here. I wonder what kind of questions people have. Let me just put an email address on the site and say, hey, if you got questions, email me. Yeah. And so I started responding to a couple of emails a day, a dozen emails a day, two dozen emails a day. And then it was, you know, I need, I need to write a frequently asked question so I don't have to respond to the same email 40 times a day. Mm. And that's kind of how the content uh, portion of it grew. And once you start monetizing and like, well, I wonder if I could make some more interesting tools. What else can I add to make it better quality? What, what are other people in my little vertical doing and yeah. what can I do to make my site better than theirs? And, and at that time, was there was it obvious that there were other people out there doing doing exactly what you were doing or trying to do what you were doing? Yeah, there there has been one or two organizations that are doing almost exactly the same thing of me who've been around uh, about as long as I have. Mm. Uh, there have been another a number of uh, people who have come and gone as they've kind of used uh, gray hat or black hat te- techniques to try to yeah. grow their traffic. And so they've come and gone and I think kind of slow and steady holding the courses have uh, been really uh, effective for me. Mm. And I'm imagining after, after this kind of time scale, you, you must have some pretty significant data that you've managed to, to capture, like build up picture of exactly who your, who your audience is. What, 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 are they, what do they look like? What, what, is, what does the um, customer avatar look like who's coming to your website? It's funny because – Due to the fact that I was having a hard time monetizing it, I, you know, I didn't really come from a, uh, a an MBA program business background, and and really wasn't thinking in terms of avatars um, until probably about two years ago. Started running uh, some well crafted surveys on the site to find out. Well, why are you coming to my site? Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? Because I personally, I I couldn't explain to anyone like. Why do you have six million people coming to your site a month? I know what they're doing on my site, but why are they doing it? It was <laughs> it was always something that baffled me. And through some surveys that we figured out how to build, uh, was really able to get a lot of insights as to kind of a couple of different groups of people and subsets of those groups. Mm. But I'm assuming you know that 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 data that you've got and then and the avatar, uh, you know that information must be very valuable to potential advertisers. Yeah, I think that's, it, it has become valuable to, in certain niches mm. um, that I'm able to identify, obviously pr- privacy and security. We're really trying to build up uh, a more solid avatar and the people that are doing kind of that e-commerce uh, activity or the anti-fraud activity and trying to build up a more clear picture of that person in order to be able to help them with their success gaps and help them kind of what are you doing before and after coming to our site that we can help you be more effective with. Mm. And, and at what point, uh, I'm assuming this, this must have um, come across your mind at some point that you thought, do you know what, for however many hours a week or however many hours a, a month that I'm able to maintain this, I can pretty much work from wherever I want in the world. And I yeah. don't necessarily need a massive team to be able to do that either and have that whole, um, you know, weight on your shoulders of, you know, having a 500,000 pound wage bill every month or whatever it might be from various people I've spoken to. 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 really neat that I can travel. Um, it has its pros and cons, uh, mm. at least w- with respect to travel. I mean, obviously, if I found a place that we really wanted to live, and my wife could uh, find a, find work there, or decide that she didn't want to work, I, we very easily could. If we had an internet connection, plop down. Hey, we want to go to Iceland. Okay, let's live in Iceland or Greenland or wherever for a couple of years. Mm. It's totally doable. Uh, I don't have a. I don't have an in, an in-place workforce. The people that uh, do work for me are remote. They're contractors. They're gig people. Yeah. Okay. Um, the the disadvantage is when I'm traveling on vacation. That uh, as a small business owner, you feel compelled to stay engaged. Mm. You know, when I travel, so it's it's kind of built into our travel schedule now. That uh, for an hour a day, every day that I'm traveling, I. And responding to emails, kind of continuing to move things forward. I've gotten a little bit better about separating myself from that, but uh, uh, not entirely. I, I, I'm a little bit of a control freak, and yeah. turning turning off the email, turning off the computer for more than a week. I think I would uh, I would go through detox. <laughs> so I was going to ask you uh, about that actually. So any anybody that you use at the moment, like you say, is kind of like gig economy that you use freelancers. Who are able to to do those tasks for you um, completely remotely again? Yeah, yep, yeah, all remotely. Yeah, it's 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 kind of neat that I can uh, help other people achieve their entrepreneurial dreams by helping support me. And you know, I've got uh, mm. a couple people in the Philippines, a person in uh, India, and then a couple people that just happen to be local that I've worked with because I've met them in person. That kind of all, that to me, there's something. About, there is a benefit to having met people in person and yeah, and seen them and sh- shaking their hand and that sort of interaction it has definitely has value to it. Yeah, I think so. And again, um, being at a stage where I would rather employ some if I if I've met them like you say in the face to face, I would rather pay them that little bit more, even though they you know they live in the same area as me, rather than try and find somebody completely new who might have the same skill set. There is something to be said for that, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're not able to completely switch off though when you when you, when you go away. You've not taken like a week or two weeks where you can literally go hands free and go. I'm I'm not going to touch this. I haven't achieved that yet. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, I think that I'm down to a down to an hour a day is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The first couple of trips, it was well, I got to work an hour and a half in the morning, and let's come back to the hotel for lunch and let me get some more work done, and then mm. in the evening while my wife is getting ready, I'm trying to get some more work done. So yeah, getting it down to an you know an hour a day or sometimes even less is it's there's a certain amount of that that at least at that extent it's already been very freeing. Yeah, I was going to say what what does freedom look like for you? But um, I'd imagine for a lot of people, if they're if they're able to just um, spend an hour or you know a couple of hours a day, then that's pretty liberating. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I actually think freedom, aside from the the travel aspect of it or being out and about aspect, is being uh, being accountable to my own schedule. That I don't have this. Well, I've got to be at my desk from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and my lunch is from noon to one. Mm. Uh, I like the fact that I can, oh, take my dog out at 10 o'clock this morning or maybe at 11 o'clock tomorrow. I can uh, do run some errands, do some grocery shopping when it's not busy. That way, I have more time in the evening and the weekends to spend with my wife. Yeah. To me, that is a a significant aspect of that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've you, you must have had. Six million suggestions on, on what else you could do with the site as well. Surely, <laughs> from the from the amount of people you must have spoken to who've, who've been interested in your story. 
Yeah, there's a there's a never ending list of suggestions from people. Some of them are, <laughs> hey, that's actually a really good idea, and some of them are that's that's totally not feasible. That would cost me. Uh, you don't realize how much that would cost, kind of yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and, and have you had help join join the journey? Have you, have you had uh, mentors yourself? Some somebody who'd kind of been where you want to get to if you, if you just like work this work this out for yourself along the along the way for for the longest time I was working it out uh, as you said along the way on my own mm. um, you know it's funny because like prior to a couple of years ago if you gave me a business book uh, nah, I, I just I can't figure anything out from it it just doesn't apply to me it, it doesn't make sense to me um, but about two years ago I actually did hire a a business coach mentor. Um, and it's been uh, tremendously productive for me. That's uh, one of the reasons why I can uh, cut my time down significantly that I do the work on the business when I'm out and about. And I don't have that uh, looming stress about my business that I had probably two years ago. And I feel like, okay, I have someone who's uh, not only been here and done that, but he has the experience of all of his failures, all of his successes, yeah. uh, the connections that he has. Mm. And, and probably more important than any of that is he just looks at things differently than I do. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, a programmer. I think about things from a programmer's point of view. I don't look at things from a, a social media or a SEO point of view or a marketing point of view or mm. uh, what Seth Godin's purple cow point of view. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm working to build those skill sets, but that's those are not my skill sets, and it's definitely been nice to have someone say, "Well, have you thought about this?" or um, someone who doesn't mind saying, "Well, that's a really for you. That's a horrific waste of your money. Why in the world are you doing that?" <laughs> Whereas, you know, it's nice someone to have who's, someone like that. <laughs> it's it's nice to have someone who will question why you're doing things and ask you, "Well, is that really the best?" Is that the best use of your time? You're doing yeah. your own accounting, really? Why? Why are? You, why don't you have a CPA doing that for you? Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Hundred um, percent. I started with a with a mentor towards the end of last year, and again, it's just brilliant for me, kind of doing that, you know, brain dump of what's going on in my head when I go to see her, and then and I've got this amazing new thing I'm working on. She'd just be like, "Why?" Why, why are you working on that? Why is that? Does take you know? Does that align with what your end goal is? Uh, well, it's sounding kind of cool. And uh, right, okay, Alex, <laughs> sounds very familiar. Yeah, and I, I do get asked all the time as well. Like you know, constantly I, I, events I go to. You know, where where do you find a good mentor? And for yourself, was it was it word of mouth? Was it referral? Or were you, you actively searching online to to find somebody? Um, yes and no. <laughs> right. So I was specifically looking for, um, a really good high quality SEO person oh, okay. Okay. that had dealt with the, the types of the, the, the volume of traffic that I have and, and knowing that like, you know, if your website's getting a thousand people a day, yeah, it's doable to do some work and double that to 2000 people a day. Mm. Uh, but when you're getting 6 million people a day, uh, I wouldn't trust anyone who said, Oh yeah, give me a week and I can double that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, when, when you're the 800 pound gorilla, so to speak, mm. uh, movement can be more complicated on the SEO front. And so I was like, I, I want to get someone who can really help me with the SEO, help me, uh, up level my content, up level the, the, 
the way the site looks, the way that people interact with it, social media. And so he's helped me tremendously on that. But uh, as part of that, there's been a lot of uh, probably half my time with him now has has moved more into, well, how are you doing as an entrepreneur? How are you doing running your business? Why are you doing why are you hiring the person here that's costing you 10 times what you could get someone else somewhere else to do? And who's yeah. really questioned, questioned business processes. And like you said, is this really a good use of your time? Mm. Is that really in line with growing your website? And so while I wasn't necessarily looking for that type of mentor or business coach, uh, it's, it's, it's morphed into that and it's been tremendously valuable for me. Mm, really interesting. Um, and given the industry that you're in, how close an eye do you, do you have to keep on certain things like SEO, different algorithms? Um, again, going back probably a number of years ago, maybe even a decade when, as we kind of alluded to earlier, different kind of black hat, white hat tactics. And I remember seeing people dropping pages and pages and pages through Google. Um, how close an eye do you, do you still have to keep on that now? In some sense, I don't actively look at, you know, when I hear, hey, there's this big algorithm update, I look to kind of see, well, have I been affected by it? Mm. But I think I've I've tried to, in some sense, tried to ignore the algorithm. Yeah. If, if you're making your decisions based purely off of an algorithm, mm. when that algorithm changes, you're going to get whacked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. If, if you kind of listen, well, it's not even in, it's not even between the lines now. Google, for the longest time, has said, Think user first. What's in your user's best interest? What makes the most sense for your user? And focus on that. Mm. Focus on good quality content. And so I've done that. I've tried to avoid. Uh, I've, you know, I've I've made the mistakes. You know, probably 15 years ago of, hey, there's this way I can build links to my site. Hey, this is new. This yeah. is nifty. It doesn't take work. And like, and then realizing, well, but this is not good quality. This is not. This really isn't good business to do stuff like that. And mm. so it's like, no. And let me just work with good quality content writers, build quality content, try to figure out how to promote that content. And so that I'm, I feel that I've been less impacted by a lot of the major um, algorithm updates that have, that have affected some of my competitors where they were paying for tons of links when, you know, from all sorts of link schemes, when Google made changes to address that, they dropped, you know, 20 places and their business is cratered and gone now. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, Always just trying to do the right thing, be upfront, be legal. Don't, it's always, you know, if you're black hat or gray hat, it's always going to catch up to you at some point. Mm. Um, probably one of the things that I was uh, the most afraid of was when Google started answering the question, what is my IP address? <laughs> you, you didn't even have to leave the search results to get the answer. Right. And that's probably been that way for almost 10 years now. And um, I had a number of people like, get a hold of me when that happened. They're like, oh my gosh, is that cratering your traffic? <laughs> and I was like, surprisingly, no. No, no. <laughs> I, I lost maybe 10% of my traffic to that. Right. And, and I think that was purely for the, the lowest kind of, in my terms, lowest quality traffic, the people that were hit and gone. Right. Those were the people that I lost. So it was kind of the least valuable traffic to me was the traffic that I lost as, as part of that Google update. But you always have to be kind of aware of uh, not being a one-hit wonder, mm. <laughs> and uh, you know your business model could be could be gone overnight when you've got Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon. Absolutely, you 
They yeah, can do yeah. something in, in a day that will make your business disappear. And that, that happened to me once in the past with one of my other businesses. No uh, way, really. Did it. I, I had uh, one of the first companies that I started was uh, selling Bibles online, e-commerce. And that was the first uh, business that I started online and uh, very quickly learned uh, I don't like uh, working before work during lunch and after work, packing boxes and going to the, the shipping depot and <laughs> all to make below minimum wage. Yeah. Not good. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, I'll become an Amazon affiliate. And instead of me fulfilling all these orders, Amazon will fulfill it. Mm. And that was great for uh, a year or two until uh, Amazon was wrestling with U.S. or state sales tax issues in the U.S. And uh, they did not have a physical presence in California, but the state of California was saying, uh, well, you have affiliates here. You have people in California uh, marketing products on your behalf and fulfilling, you know, kind of running that sort of business on your behalf. And so we really think we're going to start taxing you for that, putting sales tax on that business. And so Amazon's response was, okay, we're going to terminate every affiliate in California. Oh, So with no notice, I I think I got a week's notice from them basically saying next week we're terminating your account. We'll, we'll pay out commissions and good luck to you. Wow. So so my business model was gone uh, in a minute. Literally in a week gone, wiped off. Yes. Now, luckily it wasn't a full-time income. No, (laughs) it would have been worse, but it was like, wow, that, uh, that stinks. Yeah. Okay. What am I going to do next? That's unreal, isn't it? Yeah. So you, you'd you'd much rather be in the position you are right now, clearly. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, but it, but it's still yeah. always trying to keep my mind, uh, you know, open for opportunities. And mm. what can I do to at least diversify on this site so I'm not so dependent on one type of search query? Yeah. Uh, but also going, okay, I need to have other websites, other businesses that maybe today they don't need to make as much as what is my address.com does, but at some point, it de- I need to be in a position where if this website were to shut off tomorrow, I wouldn't be scrambling. I wouldn't, wouldn't be happy about it, but at least I wouldn't be trying to figure out where my next paycheck or uh, how to pay the rent's going to come from. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I always remember this story. Um, a, a client that I used to say used to be in the, in the health and fitness industry, and she used to have a flat down here on the south coast of, of England, um, but lived in London. Um, we'd, we'd drive down at like 4 a.m. on a Monday, spend a week down here on the south coast working for uh, as a CFO for a business here, then go back as soon as she finished work on a Friday, literally spend the weekend with her husband and kids and come back again. You know, all the kids were in um, really high-paying private schools, um, and, and the husband's, uh, had this job. I can't, can't remember what he did, but I, I just always remember her telling me, you know, he had um, one client. He had one client for his business, and that was IKEA, uh-huh. um, you know, the big Swedish furniture yeah. conglomerate. And um, she was like, oh, he's a great life. He's on the golf course every day, just answers the phone, doesn't do anything. And I just remember one day just getting an email from her going, um, after 10 years or 20 years, whatever it was, um, Ikea decided to go with somebody else. Um, and so she was like, you know, selling the flats. I'm, I'm back up in London, um, pulled the kids at a private school. And it was just like, 
geez, if there's, there's any lessons to be learned from putting literally all of your eggs in one basket, then then that was the one. And I've, I've never forgotten that story. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm I've I've seen similar types of things happen. I mean, we uh, personally with our finances, we're like we before we do anything fancy investing in clever things, we need to have an emergency fund that yeah. if we both lost our jobs tomorrow and the income stopped, we would have re- a reasonable amount of time to to get back up and running and get somewhere and figure out a new course of action where we're not having to. Oh my gosh! I just need to take anything because, you know, I got to pay the phone bill tomorrow. That's mm. uh, I, I don't ever want to be in that position. And not that we all have total control over that sort of thing, but uh, we're risk averse enough to make sure that we we aren't at least immediately in that position. Yeah, it's just fun, funny. Literally having that conversation today with my wife. Um, just sold a rental property that we've we've had for the last five years and. And she's literally going right. I've, I've literally worked out what I'm going to spend ninety five percent of the money on from from the sale of the house. And I was like, first thing we do is put six months' money away of our combined outgoings. And exactly like you said, that is the fund. We, you know, you want some time, like you say, to not get that call the next day and go. You know, you, you've you've missed on this payment, this payment, this payment. So yeah, yeah, I, I'd rather have six fun. months six months in the bank and a little less to do that I can do today than. To, have a lot of fun today and a lot of hurt tomorrow. Absolutely. What What do you think the most important skill that you've had, given that you said your, your background's been as a as a programmer and you've kind of moved into areas that you perhaps didn't have experience in or weren't as comfortable in, be that social media marketing, etc. What's the most important skill that you've you've had that's enabled you to get to get to where you are today? Uh, I I think probably if you're talking about. I'd probably say persistence and that is that I've, you know, been around for doing this for almost 20 years. Um, that it's just that, okay, I'm just going to keep doing what I can do today and move the ball a little bit forward. Uh, trying to watch out for shiny, odd, uh, shiny object syndrome <laughs> and, and not get too, too distracted from the course of like, I just got to move it forward. Just got to move it forward. Yeah. Yeah. What's the expression? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> yeah. I said that. I literally said that. So funny you said that. I said that to my kids who are uh, nine and 11. Um, but two days ago, funnily enough, I saw it somewhere. My, my youngest daughter was just looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Eat an elephant, daddy. It's like, okay, let's rewind that. I mean, tell it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the skill I'm learning is to know where my, where, what things are not my strengths. Mm. And learning how to get those off to other people, I'm, you know, at anything I do, I'm not necessarily, I'm not the, I'm not the best programmer on the planet. I'm, you know, but I'm decent. There's a lot of things that I'm decent at. I'm now getting to the point where like, well, I need to get really good people to do this and it not be me just trying the best that I can, but I've got someone, yeah, someone better than me to do it and, and be okay with that. So really easy conversing with Chris. It was a fantastic line, despite the fact that uh, he was in California and I was in the UK. Um, Really interesting story and how he came to find his mentor um, and how important that's been uh, to him and the growth of his business. Um, I couldn't agree more, hence why we've put together 
this event on May the 3rd, our first ever mid-year mastermind called Reload, where everybody coming not only gets to a whole day uh, immersing themselves in workshops covering everything from running a Facebook campaign, um, how to use PR to promote your business, um, how to develop your brand, how to build a blue ocean strategy, how to focus, millions of different subjects, but also everybody getting time to sit down with a mentor um, to work on them and their business. So if you'd like to know more information about that, again, just email um, alex at screwitjustdoit.org or go to Eventbrite um, and look up Screw It, Just Do It where you can see all of our events. But um, I particularly enjoyed talking about that and hearing Chris's story on that. Also loved um, his uh, ability to stay small um, and not have those huge overheads of a workspace and staff. Um, and it was something I, I remember Holly Tucker spoke about when um, I hosted here at our last London live event back in January, that ability to, to stay small um, and the fact that you're also helping others build their dreams, building their businesses at the same time is, is a fantastic circle that, that, that joins. Um, I love that. That works really well for me. Um, don't have to be huge. Don't have to have huge overheads, huge numbers of staff. Um, and a really simple one, but if in doubt, simply ask the question. Um, Chris was wondering why people were coming to his website. Um, so he asked the question, he, you know, ran some survey. Why are you coming to my website? What are you doing here? Um, obviously he would have rephrased that in a different manner, but, um, you know, use that ability to crowdsource, to, to ask your audience, um, ask your customers what they want. What are they not being served with at the moment? And potentially you can provide that for them. So, few things um, that I've picked out on from that interview. There's many more I could have done. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, have a great week and um, look forward to talking to another great interviewee next week. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK. Pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup You community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup You Club through the different groups on there and join. We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education, through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupu.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally 
It's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe. And I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it. Just do it. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.